0: Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Every year in Canada, approximately 4,000 people die by suicide. It is the leading cause of death among Canadian men between the ages of 25 and 29 and 40 and 44, and among Canadian women between the ages of 30 and 34. It is the second leading cause of death among children 10 to 19 and young people 20 to 29. Donalene Saul lost her younger brother to suicide in 2004, and she offers a path of healing from this terrible loss. She's a writer's coach, a journal writing instructor, and an author, and she is author of the book, Did You Know I Would Miss You? And she joins me on the line from Salt Spring Island, British Columbia. Hello, Donalene. Oh, hi, Maureen. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm Will, thank you. Oh, good. It's a real honor to be on your
0: show. Oh, thank you so much. It's a real honor to talk to you. I loved your book, even though I cried through most of it. Oh, wow. I have fortunately never lost anyone yet, shall I say, to death by suicide. And I'm terribly sorry for the loss of your brother. It was a a heart-wrenching story and and just Mm -hmm. the way I've never read anything that articulated so well the the sadness the shame the guilt the stigma the pain of mm-hmm. death by suicide i have a number of patients and colleagues and friends who have lost a parent to death by suicide oh my and um, and it has affected them you know for decades
1: yes Yeah, it's a deep, deep loss. There's no doubt
0: about it. It certainly is. So thank you so much for writing this book. Uh, And I think it's important to say that it's not just a book for uh, those of you who've lost somebody by uh, death, by suicide, but it's also a book for anyone who has lost anybody because it's it's one of the best grief books I have ever read. And so... Mm -hmm it's for everyone to read. I really think it's important. You explore a lot of different uh, truths about life like death that we don't Mm -hmm. talk about. Mm -hmm. There's still subjects beyond sex that are taboo and, and death is one of them. And, Mm -hmm. um, but tell me what prompted you to write this book.
1: Well, um, I, I had been a professional writer, uh, throughout most of my adult life. And then, um, it was kind of a natural thing for me to do. I, I'd been in, uh, you know, seeing a counselor to, uh, shortly after my my brother's death, and kind of looking around the literature in their office. I didn't really see anything um, about the soul journey of a suicide survivor, you know. And I really felt like I wanted to explore that in writing, and uh, and so I decided to write the book. I mean, it took me quite a while to put it together because. Once, when facing that kind of loss, it affects, it, it can, it's shattering, um, and so it takes a while to kind of get the coherence together to, to, um, to write a book, but I, uh, it felt important for me to do it, not just for my, myself and hopefully for other people that would benefit from it, but also for the sake of my brother, because I wanted to put another face uh, on on him, besides the you know the fact that the guy had killed himself. I mean, he had many accomplishments in his life. He was uh, he had a lot of goodness and humor and talent and intelligence, and so I felt like I wanted it was kind of a tribute to him too in some ways.
0: Because there's still a stigma associated with death by suicide, yeah. and yes. and so you were railing up a little bit against that uh, stigma, yes. I, I gather. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it wasn't like I faced a lot of condemnation. I mean, it, it's not like, you know, the days where you you know people who lost them to suicide be driven out of town and you know all that kind of thing. It was but it it sort of resides within the, you know, it, it's 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 unconscious in in many of us.
0: It is. And, and I and I know my yeah. my patients have told me that that it's not that anybody it's it's people have overwhelming compassion for them when they hear that they lost a loved one by death by suicide, um, but Mm -hmm. it's something that they feel. They feel this embarrassment, this shame. They don't want to say that somebody that they loved took their own life. Something else you address in the book is the what if." And yes. so it's that what-if question. So we've just had Christmas, and and there's a bit of a protective factor around Christmas yeah. and Boxing Day because there's more socialization happening, there's events, there's dinners, people feel that, oh, you know, I'm I'm needed, I'm wanted, I'm part of this group. But but that yeah. can wane after the holidays, and death by suicide can actually increase in, in January. Does,
1: yeah, and that's right. Yeah, in the last first couple of weeks of January, yeah. Right.
0: There which is the time that we have right now. And, Mm -hmm. and so you, you reviewed some of those what ifs in your book and, you know, what if I had done this and tell me a little bit about that.
1: Well, I mean, what, the, what if kind of the most, you know, least helpful kind of question uh, that you can ask yourself. But, you know, for me, like with my brother, like uh, what if I'd gone to visit him more, you know, what if I'd, uh, invited him to come stay with me. Uh, what if I'd questioned him further when he'd said he was going to be moving, he'd uh, given up his place and was moving to Calgary for work? Why, what if I'd, you know, pursued that more? As it turned out, that wasn't the case. That's when he took the final road trip and ended his life in Saskatchewan. So, I mean, there's so many what-ifs, and they, are, they really can take us out. You know, in much the same way as why questions can. Like, of course. Why did it happen? Why me? Why him? I mean, there's no answers to those kinds. Of, there's no satisfying answer to a why question or, or to a what-if kind of uh, question.
0: It, it's and, futile, and almost. Make it makes feel worse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, something I love that uh, you wrote in the book was it's difficult to see into the brains and hearts of many people. And many people assume that uh, depression is the cause of death by suicide. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, But there are a number of... So it's hard to know the cause because, surprisingly, I didn't realize this, so few people leave notes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was surprised about that, too. My brother didn't leave a note either. Um, Yeah, I, I... I, at that, yeah, I mean, in some ways, that's a, a good thing. I mean, sometimes in that state of darkness, people will leave a note behind, but it won't be a full statement of their heart. It will, you know, be a statement of a particular hopelessness, you know, and desperation. And uh, so, in some ways, perhaps the mystery is better than, you know, I don't know that we can, yeah. The, uh, the heart, a person's heart, is an ultimate mystery. I don't know that we can ever truly know. You know, I mean. Absolutely, Uh, as is the mind. Um, As is the mind, yeah. Yeah, so
0: we don't really know what people are thinking or what's going on in their heart. There are a number of common social factors that are associated with being at risk for suicide. What are some of those, Donnelly?
1: Well, I mean, my brother kind of ticked pretty well every box. I've just got some notes here. I'm just trying to find that. But he he lived on his own. He was um, 54 years old, which is within that age group that's at risk
0: which he is 25 running. to 8 to 25 to 54 is the yeah, he was age range right uh-huh. at
1: the top end of that he was uh in a profession that was dangerous he was a, a independent logger um uh, financially um un- insecure um not a lot of social support to I me mean, had close friends but he lived in an isolated uh kind of he often didn't he didn't have a phone number often um uh, I don't know. Just a, he'd broken up with a girlfriend within the last few years
0: of his life,
1: right? Um, and not yeah, too connected just,
0: to health the, to the health authorities.
1: No, no, was suspicious of that. He didn't even want to have anything to do with it. At, at one point, um, he had uh, uh, called the police when he was staying at her mother's place because he was concerned that he was being followed by hell's angels, which would not would not likely be the case. He was a uh, pretty peaceful soul but and the police persuaded him to admit himself to hospital and but he didn't remain he he left shortly because he felt like he wasn't nearly as badly off as the others that were there and the doctor uh, said in his report that, that he was not at risk for suicide so even the medical professionals can't see into a person's heart and mind you know so it's Right. Yeah.
0: It, it, you know, there, there's some indication, perhaps, um, with all due respect, that maybe he yeah. did have a significant mental illness. There was mm-hmm. mention of schizophrenia. Yeah. yeah. Is it any more of a comfort, if you will, and I, you know, dare I use that word, uh, to know mm-hmm. that um, for, for suicide survivors, um, that maybe this was the result of a mental illness, a life that was just psychologically too challenging, too hard, too dark?
1: Yeah, I, I guess there is a, you know, I, I uh, at the, when he first, when I first heard of his death, I mean, I felt, I mean, sorrow, but I also felt some relief because I knew he'd been suffering, um, but not, I didn't, uh, didn't really, I don't think it wasn't something that we really wanted to look at as a family, quite honestly, you know, um, we we knew he was troubled. He would always put on a brave face for family gatherings and so on for the most part, except toward the end. And did and, you worry uh,
0: about suicide?
1: Yeah, um, I never thought about suicide relative to him, oddly enough. But I, I worried about what he would, how he would manage, you know, how he would be able to take care of himself. Because you can't be an independent logger, you know, into your 60s and 70s, you know, and, you know what I mean, it's... Uh, So I did worry about him in that respect. You know, he's a a handy kind of a guy, but...
0: um, He was also very artistic.
1: But he was artistic. He was literary. He, you know, read, you know, James Joyce and stuff like that, which, you know, a lot of, you know, English majors have trouble with. You know, he was um, a good writer, a poet. He liked to play the the blues harp. Yeah. Um, Yeah, he was also a really good carver. He made really fantastic... uh, Carvings of birds, and uh, I actually found some people that were interested in in you know retailing them for him, but he just didn't have really the patience to right. to deal with that stuff. He didn't really fit the mold and any kind of mold.
0: Right. And kind did of- your mom say that he was? Uh, I know you took care of him, if you will, as an older sister does a little brother.
1: Mm-hmm. And I have a
0: little brother, and uh, yeah. I still mm-hmm. take care of him. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. we're great friends, but uh I get that. Um but did he have trouble um as a child? Did your mom think he no, was different? No, He was
1: a happy kid. Yeah. No, he people referred to him as a merry boy. You yeah. he's a red haired, kinda impish. Um I took life a lot more seriously than he did. You know, he was kind of didn't you know, was didn't have problems breaking the rules, you know. Right I was more rule bound of the oldest, you know. Mhm. So no, it didn't show up until later on, um, and but, even then, we were, nobody really we didn't really think it was a mental illness. We just thought, well, he's kind of paranoid, but um, he, but he was still very func- a high functioning in the sense that you know he held down jobs and you know wrote great letters and
0: and girlfriends and I
1: yeah. had, had girlfriends to a degree. Yeah. He I mean, he was kind of shy, but yeah, and yeah. really good friends, uh, many of whom. We hadn't met until his uh, memorial service because our family was scattered around across the western provinces oh, because of yeah. uh, being the influence of the RCMP. Uh-huh. We, uh, we all lived in different provinces when we left home. So right, right. But he had very, you know, very loyal and admiring friends. And that was As- really really happy
0: to see that. Not a surprise at all, given how no. you described him. You know, I think yeah. we underestimate, I think we can't get an accurate count of how many people die by suicide. We say four to 6,000 annually in Canada, yeah. but, you know, there's such a stigma in Christian yeah. communities in the Middle Ages. You touched upon this. Those who died by suicide yes. were treated as the lowest of criminals. So we still have that stigma that's associated with it, but so many people are affected by this. It's something like 77 to 300 for every person who dies by suicide. We have to think of the grandparents and the cousins and the friends and their employers. Um, So I'd like you, if you don't mind, stay on the line. And um, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the work that you do um, in your workshop facilitation and the coaching Mm -hmm. to help people to get through and deal with this human journey uh, that Mm -hmm. they are on when they lose somebody to death by suicide. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back. To the Sunday Night Health Show, Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. And on the line is Donnalene Saul. She is the author of Did You Know I Would Miss You? The Transformational Journey of the Suicide Survivor. Thanks so much for hanging on the line, Donnalene. I appreciate it. Um, so your work has led you to coach other people, to support other people, to facilitate workshops. How can people heal from this Significant and heartbreaking loss, and often, most often, unexpected. Well, I mean, um,
1: there's a there's kind of the immediate term, which is taking care of yourself and your your physical well being, and um, uh, you know, t- attending to the details that are you know that are, that are part of the you know aftermath of a death by suicide. I was fortunate enough that I was able to team up with my sister. We were on side with that, and she was a huge help with with me for me and for, we were for one another in just dealing with things like going through my brother's effects and all that sort of thing. So there's the practical side of things that sort of occupy you, your own physical well-being. And I think probably one of the most important things to do off the top is to focus, uh, is to Put your focus on who the person it was, apart from that final act. You know, who they were are and were as a human being. I mean, it's, it's that I think needs to be in in the foreground. Otherwise, you get lost in that one event. It was, and certainly, it's shocking and uh
0: so many people are so angry yeah. that's another emotion yeah, you talked they're about they're in that. your book yeah. um mm-hmm. you know a, a father of many children and you know husband yeah. uh, to a wife yeah. who is you know mm-hmm. takes his own life at a critical time in their yeah. marriage yeah. and in their life and they're shocked and stunned how do they deal with that anger
1: well i mean i think uh, i think it's important to get some kind of counseling help if you if you can there's um I mean, fortunate in Vancouver to have uh, safer. Uh, that's a. Um, I'm trying to get what that acronym stands for. Um, and you, oh, suicide you follow-up okay. education and research. They provide okay. free counseling. Um, the crisis line, are in most communities, and can certainly hook you up with uh, that kind of help. I think it, it is a it's a it's a crisis when you lose someone to suicide, and especially in the circumstance you described. Um, it's a physical crisis as well as a psychological one, and I think needs to be treated as that and, and where possible to get some kind of professional help.
0: Right, and if you're feeling suicidal right now, it is important that people call um, the crisis helpline. Uh, yeah immediately, or have somebody call on your behalf. Mm-hmm. you also recommend journaling, but we've got to um, yeah. head on over to break now. Um, I recommend uh, this book. Did you know I would miss you? and you've offered so graciously to give one out to um, a listener? so if you want if you'd like to read this incredible book, um give us a call one eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight Donalene, thank you so much for You're so welcome, sharing your story and uh, sharing um, your wisdom in terms of helping other people who have suffered uh, this tragedy. Uh, All right. Life is really my hard sometimes. I
1: dedicate this to my brother.
0: Oh, thank you. And your brother's name? You want Steve. to tell everybody it was Steve. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm certainly I'm certain he's still missed many years later by his loving mm-hmm. family. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for your work. Much appreciated.
1: Okay, Maureen.
0: Thank you. Uh, Relationships are important, and um, it's critical that uh, you... Make sure that yours is good. And so if your relationship has taken a dive, stay with me. Kat Trimark, a relationship and sex coach and spiritual teachers joining me after the break. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show on the Chorus Radio Network. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at CKNW.com, the Radio Player Canada app.